Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Today, we're going to talk about the gift of faith as we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul refers to this particular gift by writing, Now the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good to the one or to the one person or one believer. There is given through the Holy Spirit faith by the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Historian Arnold Toynbee said, the fundamental need of our world today is a belief in the supernatural. The Bible is the most supernatural book in the world that reveals to us the God of miracles. Of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are three that we call power gifts that move together, faith, healing, and miracles. Let's look at the gift of faith. First of all, faith means belief, trust, and confidence. So if we have faith in God, we believe that God exists, we trust Him with our lives, we're confident in His promises. Faith is also the root of the word faithfulness. So when we are full of faith, we are faithful. So think of faith and faithfulness moving together. Whatever we believe, we are faithful to act according to our faith. The Bible, first of all, teaches us general faith. Every person is created by God with faith. We intuitively know that God exists. The psalmist says in Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. In Romans 1, verse 20, Paul says that creation reveals the invisible qualities of God so that people are without excuse for not believing God. So we intuitively know as children that God exists. We have faith built into our DNA. We begin our lives with childlike faith, but as we grow up, sometimes we start to doubt. We become afraid in the world and Sometimes people even become cynical and suspicious, not only about God, but about other people. So we're born with faith. We're very trusting as children. But then because of experiences or disappointments, frightening experiences, over time we become afraid and we lack trust. Paul the Apostle describes general faith by saying to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So God has given to every person a measure of faith. So that's general faith that every person has. Now, faith needs to be cultivated, developed, but every person has faith. Now, the Bible talks about personal faith. We often inherit our faith from our childhood, But at some point, we must believe in God on a personal level and put our faith in Jesus. I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home, so in that sense, I inherited my faith. People grow up in different types of homes, different types of religions. Sometimes people grow up with no faith. So our first experience of faith and religious faith and spiritual faith usually comes because of our upbringing, our childhood. And many people have grown up in a Christian home. It is the largest, most predominant faith in the world. But at some point, an inherited faith has to become a personal faith. 
Just because I grew up in a Christian family, my parents were Christians, didn't necessarily mean that I would be. So at some point, the gospel had to become real to me as it has to become real to you. And I put my faith in Jesus. And so Jesus calls every person one-on-one at some point to put their faith in him. So there's general faith that everybody has, but personal faith is when you believe in God for yourself and you, as a Christian, put your faith in Jesus. Now, what does personal faith mean for a person? We say, I'm a person of faith in God. First of all, it means a recognition that God exists and that he's active. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So when we say, I believe in God, we're saying, I believe God exists and that he's at work. He rewards us for seeking him. Personal faith is also a reception of Jesus. We talk about receiving Jesus because that's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 10 and 12. It says that Jesus came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, even to as many as believed on his name. Becoming a Christian means I receive Jesus as my Savior. It's very personal. In John 14, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In Romans 10 and 9, we read, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So faith is a recognition that God exists and that he's at work. It is second of all, a reception of Jesus as one's personal savior. Third of all, faith means a reliance upon God. We learn to trust God in our lives and that frees us from anxiety and worry. We learn to trust him with our decisions, with our problems, with our opportunities. We, we learn to depend upon the Lord in prayer. We learn that we can ask and we can receive. We learn that God will guide us and direct us. We learn that when we trust him with problems that we feel better ourselves. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So personal faith is a relationship with God, and you will learn that God is your father, and that you can take anything to him, get the guidance and the wisdom you need. You can trust him to help you through your problems, and it sets your heart at rest. Faith is not stagnant. It's always growing and developing. And it can get stronger or weaker. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in your faith. So special faith is given every person just by being born. And personal faith is when you recognize God exists and that he's at work. And you put your faith, you receive Jesus as your Savior, and you and I learn to trust God, to experience his presence, to know that he's there for us so that we walk with God. Now, this gift of faith is what we might call special faith. This is when the Holy Spirit gives a person a special additional measure of faith to meet a particular challenge that you are facing. I've experienced this many times in my life, especially as a pastor. I pastored two churches, Barbie, and I started the first one with 12 people. With I mean, absolutely nothing. We're learning how to trust God. And now pastoring our 
incredible church, living through transitions, things that have changed in society and life, taking on great projects, learning to trust God for provision and direction. There have been times in my life in ministry where God gave me a special measure of faith. It was so great that it even caught me off guard. I almost felt like I couldn't even believe what I'm believing. I had so much faith. And I noticed that that gift of faith inspired the leaders of the church and everybody around me, including my family. And so this gift of faith is different from the measure of faith everybody has. It's different from the personal faith that we all live with every day. God deposits a supernatural level of faith, such an increased level of faith, but it's only for the challenge you're facing. It's only for a particular season. And then you kind of go back to the normal faith you live with, where kind of where you are in your faith development. It, so it's a gift of the Spirit. It's a special measure of faith. God deposits a measure of faith into your heart that you don't naturally possess so that you can believe Him for the impossible. And that gift of faith takes you outside of yourself and it lifts you high above to a mountain peak of faith. And no matter what's happening around you, no matter the odds, no matter the challenges, you have this supernatural ability to believe that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. As you know, as a church family, we built a whole new campus, whole new church facility. Cost millions of dollars. We've lived through, like everybody, several recessions. I remember in one meeting with leaders and looking at the finances of the church. And everybody's trying to project everything about the future. And I remember the men looking at that and asking me, what would we do? They try to strategize everything. I think strategy is great. But you know, there's what you plan and there's what happens in life. And I'm a little more comfortable with the spontaneous. I love the plans, but I know that God's greater than the plans. And I'm calm that I had such a spirit of faith that God would provide. We were wise, we were calculated, great leaders. I knew God would provide because God had led us into the development of the campus and the ministry for future generations. And I was able to calm them down. And I said, we got a great strategy. God will provide. And when I said those three words, which is what Abraham said to his son Isaac, going up on the mountain when God tested his faith, it just calmed everybody down. Because I had this special measure of faith, it inspired them. And when God gives you that faith, it's going to inspire people in your family. It's going to inspire people in your company or your business where you work. If you've dedicated it to God, it's going to inspire them in your ministry. But it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not something you muster up. It's not something you're trying to convince yourself of. It is a special anointing of faith, and it is very real and very powerful, and I've experienced it many times in my life. So the gift of faith is the faith that can speak to the mountain and see it moved. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of this boy, and he was healed at that moment. The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we cast it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. 
nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 17, 18 through 20. And I think of that story, the man that brought his son to Jesus who was ill, and this boy was under an oppression of an evil spirit. And he brought him to the disciples of Jesus. They were men of faith. They were ministers of the gospel commissioned by Jesus. And yet the sight of that boy and the symptoms of his illness and whatever was going on in the disruption of that young man by the presence of an evil spirit somehow was too great for them. They couldn't get their minds around that that boy could even be healed. They had faith. But in that moment, the challenge was greater than their level of faith. They were afraid, perhaps. They felt as if nothing could change. You ever felt like that? That things are hopeless? But then Jesus, with perfect faith, said, bring the boy to me. And he was teaching them about faith. There's faith. He wasn't saying they didn't have faith. He said, your faith is so small. And in those times, if you will pause and say, Lord, give me the gift of faith, you will be amazed when this gift comes to you. Your faith will be supercharged to meet that challenge. Now, you're not going to live at that peak, but that gift is going to be given to you when you need it if you will depend upon the Holy Spirit and ask God for the measure of faith, this gift of faith. Paul the Apostle had the gift of faith that appeared in his life when the ship was about to sink in a raging storm. They were on their way to Rome to testify. They were out at sea for 14 days. They hadn't seen the light of the sun. Every day feeling like they were going to drown. They'd thrown cargo overboard. These trained sailors and all the other prisoners, everybody give it. It says that they gave up all hope of being saved in the book of Acts. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to Paul one night in a dream and told him they would all be saved. So he got up the next morning and told the entire crew, not one man will be lost, he told them. The ship would be destroyed. But he said, not one person will be lost. And this is what he said to them. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God. They didn't have faith in God. And you may be in a family right now that everybody's worried or your church and everybody's frightened or the business you're leading and you've committed it to God. And everybody's wondering how you're going to make it financially. They don't have the faith. They're wondering if you're all going to go down the tubes. But he said, keep up your courage. I have faith in God. And when God gives a person the gift of faith, he or she is able to inspire others. He said, it will happen just as God told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. That's Acts 27 and verse 25 through 26. Don't ever forget that. Nevertheless, he said, this ship's going to break apart. We're going to run aground on an island. We're going to go through some hard times, but not one person will be lost. You see, faith is not some fantasy thinking that you're not going to have any problems. He said, we're going to go through a serious storm. In fact, that ship broke into pieces when it ran on the sandbar. But they, they, they got on pieces of the broken ship and swam to shore, but not one person was lost. So they had no faith. And God gave him a visitation. He said, I have faith in God. And they were inspired by his faith. They lived on his faith. And after he said that to them, that I believe God, no one's going to be lost, he conducted what you could call a communion service. They hadn't eaten anything in days. And it says, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. That word give thanks is Eucharist in the Greek. We call Holy Communion the Eucharist. They were all encouraged. He gave that meal of faith to everyone on that ship, most of whom didn't even know Christ. 
And they were all encouraged, Acts 17, 35 and 36. Notice that his gift of faith, he had a meal with him. He said, y'all need to eat something. We're going to be okay. Had a meal with them. They were all encouraged. Why? Because of the gift of faith that Paul had in the storm. That gift of faith encouraged them. The gift of faith God gives us in a crisis or a challenge is a source of faith for others. I don't know what you're facing today, but you can ask the Lord to give you the gift of faith and God will supercharge your faith and that faith will encourage others and it will keep you so focused and on track, you know that it will happen just as the Lord said. Join me for prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. We praise you for the Holy Spirit who lives with us, within us. And I pray today for the gift of faith to be given to those that are facing a great crisis or great challenge today in Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing this time with me in the Word. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to invite as many people as you can to subscribe to my sermon podcast where you and I together can share the Word of God with as many people as we can. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family for worship this Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.